0: All right, welcome on in, guys. Aw, thank you, K K Mickey Seven. Thanks, guys. Welcome on in. Okay, are we ready for the tea today? We have so much tea to break down. We've got a lot of juicy stuff to get into. We're breaking down all of the Girardi financials. We're gonna be talking about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We'll do a nice little recap on that because I mean it's getting so good. Hi, Blondie Bear six two two. What's going on, girl, Blondie Bear in the Instagram. Guys, if you're watching this on the YouTube, we taped this on Thursday night, so you're catching this the morning after. However, I am still in the live chat, chatting there with you. But if you're watching this on Instagram, we are live, L-I-V-E, live right now. Let's get it, get it, get it. Okay, we're going to have to be careful this week, though, because I did, you guys got me in trouble, specifically Ansley. I'm going to call her out if she's already in in the live chat. Ansley got me in trouble. Be- well, actually, you guys all got me in trouble because you all encouraged it. You made me shotgun the wine and because I shotgunned the wine and then flashed my nipples and then shot and shotgunned the wine and drank a second one, Instagram got mad at me and they said I'm not allowed to accept badges on behalf of like chugging and flashing. So thank you guys for that. But um, we'll find other creative ways to have fun tonight. But while we're on that, let's open up. I'm drinking some Drag Me, which I'm really excited about. Um, We have already sold through half of our inventory since we launched on Monday, which is insane to me. So thank you guys so much for supporting the new Drag Me cans. Like I said, they are limited edition. So be sure to grab them at nofilterwine.com. Instagram, I'm not endorsing people to not drink responsibly. I'm not telling you guys to get Liddy City this weekend. Um, I'm just telling you, I love wine. And I happen to buy my wine at nofilterwine.com. If you happen to come across it, I heard it's a great resource, nofilterwine.com. All right, guys. Thank you so much for the love. Get your no filter. Drag me cans before it is too late. Shall we dive in? I think we have a nice little crowd going. Let's talk about Tom Girardi's financials because Alyssa Miller who is the bankruptcy trustee appointed by the judge, Alyssa Miller has gone on record and filed some documents in court, which is really, really interesting because I didn't know people working within the bankruptcy could file official documents in court and not do an entire press tour with a bunch of podcasters and YouTubers. I didn't know you were allowed to file documents in in court without having to tweet about it. What a dink! Good for you, Alyssa Miller. If you haven't heard of Alyssa Miller, she is carrying the heavy loading on the bankruptcy case against Tom Girardi. Oh, she's handling all the bankruptcy and the lawsuits and all that stuff. So she was appointed by the judge to, do the, to lead the investigation. It's interesting. I haven't seen her on Twitter lately, though. I wonder if that's, you know, that's a very interesting choice for somebody that is working on such a big case to not be on Twitter. I would think everybody would be on Twitter and talking to the press every other day. So anyway, Alyssa Miller is claiming that Tom Girardi owes an estimated $101 million. I know that's a big number and everybody's freaking out about it. $101 million, like that's a lot of money. That's a lot of dough. That's a lot of cash. Originally he was saying, oh, I only had about $50 or $80 million in cash and I don't know where it went, it all disappeared. Now we're seeing that it's not just eight hundred or eighty thousand in or 80 million, sorry, 80 million in cash, we're seeing that it's 101 million of money that he owes to people. So this is lenders. So like when he went to the banks and he was taking out all those really high interest loans and putting his house up for collateral, Those are the people that are owed some of that 100 mil. We also have clients that didn't get paid that were suing him. That's part of the 100 mil. That's not the entire 100 mil because I know a lot of people were getting confused and thinking that was $100 million of client funds that he has stolen. That's not. That's only a fraction of that total price. So we have lenders he owes money to, clients that he never paid, and employees that he never paid. I mean, there there's a lot. There's a lot in, thank you guys for the badges, by the way. I will give you shout outs momentarily. Thank you, Pam. And thank you, Blair, Pam Kuchin, And Blair, 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 Blair. Thank you guys so much for the badges. Keep them coming. And I will give you shout outs as we continue to go. But so like I said, so 100, $101 million. Now, when you break those down, you have the secured creditors and you have the unsecured creditors. So the secured creditors are people like the lenders who have gotten him to put collateral up. Or in this case, the Rui Gomez family, they got their um, money they got the judge to approve getting their loan, or not their loan, but getting their settlement, the money that Tom owed them secured in court. They got the judge to approve that. Then that's part of the reason the judge also authorized Erica Jane as one of the parties that they could sue to potentially get their money from if they couldn't get it from Tom Jarty directly. Thank you, Courtney Stomer. Stormer. Thank you, Courtney. Love you for the badge. Now, 49 million of that 101 million is for secured creditors. Those are likely going to be the banks because the banks are the ones that make sure you put up some sort of collateral to make sure that if you don't pay your loan back, they can take something from you, be it property, you know, like people put up their cars for collateral, people, um, Put up their homes for collateral, which in the case Tom Girardi did, except he took out multiple loans on the same house, which is where things are gonna get messy because now we're gonna see, well, if all if more than one lender is entitled to his house as collateral, then which lender ends up getting it? It's all very messy, messy. And Tom Girardi was very conscious and intentional with how he went about all of this. 51 million though is an unsecured creditors, meaning people that didn't have any sort of bond, i.e. the victims. So the victims likely didn't have, aside from the Rui Gomez family, the victims didn't have any sort of secure attachment to the settlement money, um, at least not in the court of law, other than kind of just taking his word and trusting him. I mean, I'll be curious. I'm trying to get a bankruptcy attorney on my podcast. That way they can get more into the legalities of it. But basically, long story short, the banks and the lenders are likely because they have the secured um, because they have the secured loans. They're likely going to get the money, not necessarily the victims. So. It's not looking good for the victims at all, which is also interesting. The fact that we, you know, I was here like, yes, support the bankruptcy trustee. I know a lot of people were like, yes, go after Erica, get her $25 But now with the way that things are shaking out and now that we don't know what happened to all of the money, we don't know if it really was all spent. We don't know if it's hidden somewhere. Tom had a lot of different companies. And I know a lot of people are really focused on EJ Global. But just think of it like this. EJ Global was one of many companies that he was putting money into. In this case, the money he was writing off as investments into the Erica Jane career or her music career. But, That wasn't the only company. So we can't just only look and focus on EJ Global. They're digging into all these other essentially shell companies that he had to just move the money around. Likely for, you know, avoiding taxes or not having to pay people back because it looks like in his GK, Girardi Keys account or his personal account, he doesn't have that much money. But however, the money is invested in all these other different accounts. Likely for a big tax evasion sort of, you know, Situation. He was trying to avoid paying taxes, so he was shuffling the money around. They still don't even know where the money is entirely. In Alyssa Miller's report that she, again, issued in court without having to do a full press tour or tweet up a storm— um, In her report, she says that a lot of expenses are unknown. A lot of the money's transfers are unknown. So the money is seemingly lost, and they're trying to track it down. But the books were apparently so bad that they don't even know where to begin or where to to look and she's been investigating this for months, so she's put this together. The 101 million is just an estimate that's not fully guaranteed, but based off of all of the debts and people that are owed money. Again, lenders, clients, and former employees that are claiming that they didn't that they have unpaid wages that they're owed from Girardi Keyes. That accumulation—it's basically a bunch of people that he owes money to that he never paid or never paid back such as like the loans. And now to be fair, that doesn't necessarily mean that he took out $101 million in loans necessarily, but with the loans that he was taking out, they had very high interest rates. So it's likely that the 101 million is an accumulation with interest from a lot of those loans in addition to the client funds, in addition to employees that didn't get paid, in addition to, and the list goes on, et cetera, et cetera. So the other interesting part though, is EJ Global, this is where it does not look good for Erica Jane. Um so EJ Global had an Amex, which I think we all knew when the the report leak or the letter leaked to page six about Erica's finances. It looks like, um, which is interesting that Erica's finances happened to leak in page six and Tom Girardi's finances didn't leak. They were filed in court. I repeat, they were properly filed in a document in court. Um, Erica's expenses have yet to be filed in court. FYI. Um, However, EJ Global, we know about the Amex card. It's undetermined whether, and I have all of the documents. It's a lot of the, 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 What Alyssa Miller filed is very dense. It's like 500 pages. I haven't gone through all of it yet, which I will do. And maybe that'll be part of like a Girardi Deep Dive Part 3 that we'll do. And maybe we'll focus specifically on the finances. Um, However, EJ Global had the Amex. And it's uncertain whether that's a personal Amex, a Girardi Keys Amex, an EJ Global Amex. Lots of questions still kind of up in the air remaining. Because I think that'll be, you know, another big thing. Like, was Erica. Putting all of these charges on the Girardi Keith American Express, or did uh, EJ Global have its own American Express, or was this a personal Tom and Erica American Express? Like I want to know who the American Express card belonged to. And so this also goes to show that you know a lot the a lot of the confusion was that Tom made a $20 million or $25 million transfer directly into Erica's EJ Global account. That's not the case. She charged, she racked up a bunch of Amex bills, and Girardi Keese was paying for those Amex bills. So this is where you'll see that Ronald Richards a few weeks ago, um, or maybe it was last week, but was tweeting about value received. EJ Global um, had value received, and it wasn't necessarily... Direct loan transfers to EJ Global's bank accounts. We're now saying that value was in expen- glam expenses, production expenses, and paying for whatever Amex was funding the EJ Global brand or Erica Jane music career. But the interesting part is they were showing that Girardi Keys had made payments to that Amex as recent as June of 2020. Erica filed in, what was it, November 1st, October, November first? there was election day, so it was like October, November, spring, summer. That's a little Atlanta joke. Um, so October, November is when Erica left and filed for divorce, but Tom was still paying for her Amex up until June from what we've seen so far. Did she get cut off from from Tom? Did she stop asking him to pay her bills? Did she stop racking up American Express? Like, was the plan to leave him, did that start over the summer in like June, July? And over the next couple of months is when she was kind of planning her exit from him and building her bank. Like, I don't know. These are all big questions that have yet to actually be determined. But as of right now, Amex bills were being paid to EJ Global as recent as June of 2020 based off of Alyssa Miller's report. So it's showing that like Tom, and I assume that that 20 million, or sorry, yeah, that the 20 to 25 million estimate includes all of the 2020 Amex bills that were paid. So up until June is what's part of that estimated 20 to 25 million number that they're saying Girardi Key's paid out on behalf of EJ Global or for EJ Global that were written off as loans to EJ Global. So... We'll see, but I mean, it's really bad that Girardi Keyes, the business, even though it wasn't really a business, um, it was like a weird, like limited partnership, but it wasn't. I don't know. It was weird. Um, the The structure of that business was weird. The books are all messy. Part of me wonders if like this was intentional and methodical, and Tom Girardi wanted to make it all so vague and messy in the event that he. If he were to get caught, it would be too messy to go through. Or was he just this poor of a businessman? Like maybe he's really sharp and court and really good at you know working the law. But when it came to when it came to actually running the business side of things, maybe that wasn't his strength. Maybe that was Keith's strength. Who? Well, actually, no, because he's been doing this since the nineties. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. But yeah, yeah, I I agree with you, Chris Ochoa. Um, Chris O'Shea, sorry, 797. I agree. I think it may have been intentional. Okay. Tom Girardi was also spotted at a assisted living facility. Now, people on Twitter. And the news and a lot of um, social media accounts on social media, on Instagram, sorry, were reporting that Tom Girardi had moved into an assisted living facility. He hasn't officially moved in. um, in I know... One person in particular on Twitter was accusing him of of fake moving in because he didn't have any bags. But it's unclear as to why Tom Girardi was even at the assisted living facility, whether he was moving in. I mean, it doesn't look like he was moving in. There also hasn't been any paperwork filed in court for a move or a change of address. I don't believe the Pasadena mansion has been sold yet, so... I could be wrong. Maybe I'm missing a detail. Maybe it was sold recently, but I don't believe it was. I know his law offices here in downtown, those were sold, but I believe the Pasadena Mansion he's still living in because that's still yet to be sold, and the judge allowed him to live there until the sale was official. So he was seen at—it's called the Belmont Village Senior Living Facility. It's in Burbank, so it's here in Los Angeles. Well, I guess Burbank isn't too far from Pasadena, so that kind of makes sense. He wasn't going to go to, like, you know, the, the West Side or West Hollywood or anything. But, yeah, Tom Girardi was spotted there. Again, it's uncertain whether... It does look like it was a staged paparazzi shoot, though. Like, I know we've had moments of Erica though where, where her photos look staged as well. I mean, we're starting to see her a lot more often that I don't know if it really is staged or now it's at the point where people are following her... So much. I think some of it may have been staged at the beginning as they as photos continue to come out. I'm sure some of them will continue to be staged, but it's looking like we may be getting a combination and paparazzi are now just always outside her house, always hoping to get a shot that they can sell to the to the press, even though I don't know paparazzi even really make money. I guess suing people. But yeah, so we don't know. This does look staged, though. Maybe he saw that the black eye photos, like, did something for him. Maybe earned him some sympathy or got people to really believe that he has Alzheimer's and dementia. Maybe this is part of the act. Only because it was just strange that they happened to catch him in Burbank at an assisted living facility. And again, we don't know why he was there. It could have been a tour. He could have been visiting a friend. Maybe he was trying to pay off a former client. I don't fucking know. He was doing something there. Gar- Garcelle speaks facts. Why are we talking about Garcelle? Um, drag me, Monique. I believe Girardi intentionally created the mess, only it's not looking pretty, pun intended. Yeah, it's not a pretty mess anymore. Mm. So, yeah. Thoughts, feelings, vibes, questions. Let's go through some of your your stuff before we dive into Beverly Hills. We'll talk about Beverly Hills. We'll talk about Doree and Sutton and Erica and Garcelle. Lord knows everybody has a lot of feelings about them. We'll get into them shortly, but I want to hear what you guys think about the Tom Girardi financials. I'll probably do a deeper dive like as an official podcast episode and not an Instagram live once I'm able to go through all of the documents. And I want to have a lawyer on my show. Similar to how when I did Girardi Deep Dive Part 2 and I had it followed up with Emily D. Baker, I think that's what I'll do, again, maybe for a financial deep dive into Erica's expenses and Tom's expenses and really explaining all of that and have a bankruptcy lawyer that's here in Los Angeles and hopefully wasn't ripping off clients that can come on the show and and explain things. Because I like credible lawyers. I like lawyers that, you know, are smart and know what they're doing and don't, you know... Tweet for a living. Okay, Erica's earrings. Okay, we're gonna talk about Beverly Hills after. Now I want to know what you guys how much did the law office offices sell for? Did they tell that? I believe, don't quote me on this, but my brain, my freshly bleached brain wants to say like nine million or in that ballpark range. I think it was about nine million. Oh, so here's the other interesting thing, which I forgot to bring up as well is taking on the other cases. So Right now, they're liquidating Tom's assets. They're selling everything at Drogerty Keys, everything down to his ice chests, his coolers, his staplers, his. Outdated computers, the fax machines. They're liquidating every single asset that Tom Girardi has from Girardi Keys and his personal assets as well. And they're also going after Erica Jane to see what of her assets could be liquidated as community assets to be added to the bankruptcy, on top of suing her for the potential 20 to 25 million of expenses that were paid out to EJ Global that they think she's responsible for now paying back. 20 to 25 million is a lot of money i don't know if they're gonna get all of that money out of her that's yet to be seen um they're gonna fight her hard on a lot of like the assets such as the jewelry that they're gonna try to fight and say was community property we'll see how that all shakes out i would imagine she's gonna try to hold on as much as she can until the very end when she has she's gonna have to give up assets and she's gonna have to pay out in the end like that's just regardless. It's looking really bad, though, because she's also probably going to have to pay a shit ton of money in taxes as well. So I'm pretty sure the legal strategy is just let's hold on to as much as we can for as long as we can and see what we're going to end up having to pay out to the IRS, what we're going to have to pay out in community property, and what we're going to have to pay out in cash back to Girardi Keyes for these alleged loans or inappropriate Transfers that weren't actual business expenses for Girardi Keys. They were Tom Girardi using them personally. We'll see what ends up happening there. But the other interesting part, which I found out seems to be one of the most lucrative assets that Tom Girardi has, are some of the cases that have yet to be settled from Girardi Keys. I didn't even realize these cases were still a thing. Also, to be fair, as with where they're liquidating all of Tom Girardi's assets and trying to get money out of Erica, everyone's thinking, which was my impression up until very recently, everyone's thinking that they're getting that money. So let's not even pay attention to the assets, but let's focus on Erica's money. Everybody thinks that they're pulling that 20 to 25 million away from Erica to give back to the victims. That's not what's actually happening. They're pulling out that money to pay off the lenders that Tom Girardi is it took money from like the banks that he went and took money out for his business that's who that money is going to be paid which is also just as fucked up because everyone thinks that this is all helping the victims at the end of the day but this is the part that pisses me up it's not helping the victims at the end of the day the bankruptcy gets a cut Ronald Richards gets a cut. Alyssa Miller gets a cut. Like all of them, they get to take their cut, and then from whatever's left over, that then goes to pay off the people with the secure, the secured creditors, such as the the lenders and the banks, because they're a lot smarter and a lot a lot savvier than the victims. And we also see that there was no reason for the victims, aside for uh, the the Rui Gomez family, that really took com- Tom to court to get their money and like really fought hard for years to try and get their money from Tom. A lot of the other victims were way behind and they weren't as savvy. They didn't get the judge to secure any of this. Like, it's not looking good for the victims at all. It's just not. Aside from the Rui Gomez family who, like in The Housewife and the Hustler, the Hulu documentary, they said that they were at the front of the line. Yes, the housewife and the Hustler was correct. The Rui Gomez is at the front of the line, but it's only because they were able to turn, to go to go from unsecured to becoming a secured creditor where Tom Girardi, you know, I believe there were assets of his that the judge like bonded to their settlement money. Wow, good distinction of where the money pulled is going. So sad for the victims. It is so sad for the victims. It really is. That's why I'm like, you know, everyone wants to, you know, they're like, yeah, sell off his law offices and sell his home and throw him out of his house and burn Eric at the stake and take all her money. But it's like, that money isn't even going to the victims. Yes, and some of the 11 million should be, their 11 million of that money should be going to, the Rui Gomez family. And now that the law offices have sold and we have a few million that have already come into the bankruptcy. And now that the auctions are closed from Girardi Keys, that can go into, that's gone into the pot. I wanna know where that's at, where it sits, when people are gonna start getting paid out. I know they're starting to settle a lot of those cases and lawsuits, so we'll see. But it looks like some of that is gonna start to be paid. I would assume Rui Gomez would be getting paid very soon. Um, but so okay, like I was saying, one of the biggest assets was the cases that Tom Girardi was current or Girardi Keys was currently representing. Um, One of them being there's a Porter Ranch gas leak lawsuit that they were currently representing. There was also the NFL lawsuit. So if you remember a couple months ago, Erica's legal team was fighting to keep those Girardi Keys cases at Girardi Keys so that the money could come in, go to the bankruptcy and then help pay off the people that are owed money. That was Erica's legal team saying, you know, this NFL lawsuit looks like it's really going to be lucrative for the bankruptcy. We shouldn't pass this off on or share it with another law firm. Girardi Keys should keep it, continue to finish that case out, get that settlement money, and then that settlement money can be used to be broken up because that's at least money that has yet to come in versus um, taking time to auction off his items or going after Erica's assets. Who knows if she even has 20 to $25 million in the bank or it's going to take her years to pay that back. Again, this was not a one-time transfer. This is an accumulation of expenses that Jordy Key spent on Erica Jane's music career over the past 12 years. That's why when everyone's like, oh, my God, she spent $14 million on her Amex bill, that $14 million is part of the the estimated $25 million, and that was accumulated over the course of 12 years. Again, this is not to defend Erica. This is just to explain and define everything for everybody because people like to get that confused. They think when I explain things that I'm defending her, which is not the case just want to clarify that. But yes, so the Porter Ranch gas leak, that could likely, I mean, that's estimated to bring in eight figures. So if Girardi Keys gets a cut of that eight figure deal, obviously give the clients their money, but Girardi Keys can take their commission from that, that money could help go to pay off the lenders a lot sooner to clear that 45 million dollar debt that the estimated 45 million for secured creditors that's currently outstanding and then hopefully once all of that's paid there's still the 51 million other 51 million of other money that has yet to be paid back or even determined if it's going to be paid back but i mean if we're able to bring more money into the pot and clear that 49 million first then I think everybody else in line has a better chance, including the victims. But as of right now, it's looking like the victims are literally at the back of the line, which is unfortunate. Oof, she's trending on Twitter. Who's trending on Twitter? What's going on? Blondie Bear, what's going on on Twitter? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Guys, what's happening on Twitter? Um, Teresa, I think she knew zero. I think she's been living on Paper for years pre-Erica. Who I think she knew zero. I think she's been living for years pre-Erica, Erica, pre-Erica Jane. Clarify that statement for me, Teresa. Also, if you guys have questions, put them in the little question. There's a little question mark in a little bubble. Put your questions in there. I'll go through those at the end of the podcast when we do, or at the end of the live when we do Q&A. How can the company still work these cases? Does anyone still work there? I mean, it was still a running law firm as of last year. So I'm pretty sure it's on hold. I don't know how many employees are left or how many lawyers are still working it. But like, the lawyers still make their money from representing those cases. And if this Porter Ranch case can bring in eight figures, then I'm pretty sure, you know, Girardi Keyes. And that's one of, and then there's also the NFL case. Like there are multiple cases that are still outstanding. But what it looks like is happening is Alyssa Miller is trying to split, or is trying to share those cases with other law firms to have them go out, represent them. And then Girardi Keyes gets a sliver of, or a cut of that commission. So I would assume how it works, and don't quote me on this, this is just kind of what I'm assuming or deducing it to is. She would pass the lawsuit on to, you know, Joe Clark's law firm down the street. Joe uh, the total commission would be about 40%. And then that would be divided. If it were 50-50, it'd be like 20% to Joe Clark and 20% to Geordie Keys, or maybe it's, you know, 30 and 10. I don't know how it's actually divided. However, that's what it looks like right now. She's passing Alyssa Miller is passing those cases off to other law firms that have the bandwidth and ability to even represent them. Um, and then, you know, bring in that money. But Girardi-Keys would get less of a cut. This is why Erica's legal team was saying, oh, well, that shouldn't happen. That way Girardi-Keys can get the full cut. I don't know why the bankruptcy didn't want to take it. Maybe it was just too much to take on, and they were like, we can't handle all these cases, so if at least if we share the load, at least if we share the load, we're able to get something out of them. Erica's legal team did eventually drop their request to keep that NFL case. And to, they were just like, you know what, let the trustee do its job. I think that was probably another legal st- strategy, considering how the how upset the judge got when Erica's legal team kept trying to file for Ronald Richards to be removed from the investigation. And the judge seemed to be getting a little irritated that she was trying to push that. But so it looks like they, at this point, her legal team may be like, we need to pick and choose our battles. Gossip in a glass. How embarrassing to spend $25 million on your career and still fail. Uh, I'm Well, yeah, I mean, her music career failed, but she did eventually become famous. I don't know if that was her goal or I don't know what her goal at starting EJ Global ever was. It seemed like a vanity project from the beginning, but um, I mean, maybe she got what she wanted, which was to be famous. And now she's not only famous, but infamous. The Casper Obscura has there been an official dementia diagnosis yes and no um there has been a diagnosis I believe however I don't think that I think they the bankruptcy was trying to challenge that and there has to be like an actual formal investigation to see if that's actually real I don't know if they're still considering that but it's where we stand right now Emily. He refinanced that house many times. I work in mortgage and pull a Lexis Alexi, Nex Lexis Nexus on him and ref to the hit. To the hilt? Ref to the hill. I don't know what that comment means, Emily, but I think you know what you're talking about. Um if you do know about refinancing houses. Yes, he did take out many loans. My boy, Ollie, they would have to prove a diagnosis for conservatorship. Yes, that's why I believe that there was a diagnosis. But like I said, I believe the tr- the bankruptcy trustee was trying to challenge that. I don't know if they are still trying to challenge that. Refinance, refinance, refinance. Why is everybody talking about refinance? Why is everybody saying refinanced? Who re- 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 Tom refinance he took loans out on the house and refinanced the house and was taking out a lot of money against the house and so when that's the other thing is everyone keeps saying well oh well erica was signing documents she had to have known she signed one document possibly two documents and those two documents really just were saying i understand that my husband is taking out a loan and that you are a lender and you need money and if tom doesn't pay you back I understand that, you know, you're entitled to this money. It was really just her being like, yeah, I, and I know he's he's taking out a loan, which people take out loans all the time. People refinance their houses all the time. Um, so it's not fully, doesn't necessarily, she wasn't signing Girardi Key's like paperwork. She was as his wife, As a, it was a personal document that wasn't notarized, but as his wife, she was signing that paper. Watching you from the land down under. Yes, Isabella. Get it. I love my Aussies. Mm, mm, mm. 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 Um, yes, diagnosis. But remember, he cares a lot. The doctors can finesse reports. Yes, he does have a lot of influence, especially in Los Angeles. OK, shall we talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? I enjoyed this week's episode. Obviously, last week's episode was like supreme. One of my favorites. Next week's episode is going to be the really big, good, juicy one where we see Erica and Sutton. And she's like, don't talk to me like that. And Sutton's like, don't talk to me like that, Erica. And Erica's like, or what? Or what? She's like ready to like clock her. Um, Thoroughly entertaining. Cannot wait to watch that showdown. But this week, we see them oddly celebrating Kyle's house at Erica's apartment. Like she's on house arrest and Kyle has to come all the way to visit her in her pink jumpsuit to celebrate her birthday and have, like, you know, a party of three. Confusing, don't understand it. Um, But, like, okay, sure, we'll pretend this is real. I mean, it probably would have made more sense for, like, Rinna and Erica to go to Kyle's house and be like, Hi, Kyle, we came to visit you. Happy birthday, girl. Like, nobody believes that Kyle's like, let me just go and visit Erica Jane's little her modest little apartment now that she's moved out of her Pasadena mansion, her modest little apartment to celebrate her birthday. Like I'm pretty sure at the top of the list of places Kyle wants to celebrate her birthday, Erica Jane's modest apartment is not one of them. Her Modest several bedroom apartment. So we have that. I think that was cute. That's where the ladies really revealed that Sutton was so concerned about her reputation, basically giving us the on-camera scene that we didn't see prior to last week's episode, which is where Rinna and Kyle came to Erica and dished on everything that happened at Dorit's house when Sutton called a meeting. They were basically reliving that scene after the fact, Um, even though we all know Kyle and, and Rinna probably gave her a bit of a heads up like that. She definitely knew about the the she knew she was going to be confronted at Kyle's Christmas and I think that's part of the reason she chose to drive up part of the reason she didn't want to drink she really tried to stay in full control I'm surprised Kyle is siding with Erica I mean you also have to under and I kind of tried to talk about this you know like when was it maybe it was on book club on Tuesday night Um, You have to like when somebody like it seems like they have a genuine friendship. So when somebody like I try to put myself in Kyle's situation and be like, well, would I be more of a Kyle? Would I be more of a Sutton? Would I be more of a Garcelle? But like if you have a relationship with somebody and you trust somebody and you have no reason to not believe them, like I would think like if one of my close friends was was in Erica's position and situation I would feel like I wouldn't have any other choice but to believe whatever it is they're telling me, be it on camera or off camera, so I can understand that position where it's like there's a, a need to be loyal to them. I don't know. I kind like I get it to an extent. Um, but you also have to remember, Kyle isn't the only one standing by Erica. Garcelle and Sutton have recently spoken out in support of Erica. Sutton on Watch What Happens Live was talking about how much she genuinely loves Erica and hates how they fought this season. Garcelle went on, what was it? Was it Wendy Williams? She went on Hollywood Life. She was on Us Weekly. I don't remember. She was on some interview recently After the season had wrapped, when they asked her, like, do you believe Erica knew everything about what was going on? And she's like, no, I don't believe that Erica actually knew. So you have to understand that, yes, Kyle and Rinna may have been supporting Erica during the time of filming, but all of the women on the current cast, maybe aside from Kathy Hilton, because Kathy apparently doesn't know Erica, but she also doesn't know Doree either or what her own sister Kyle looks like. um, All of the women are have spoken out in support of Erica recently. So, oh, I agree with Drag Me. What is, uh, I don't think she's siding with her. She's just playing her cards right. She's an OG. She understands the assignment. Yeah, I agree. I think everybody knows the assignment. Everyone's filling their roles. Um, Garcelle and Sutton know that they're the new girls and they obviously want to win over the fans. So they're, you know, following that hashtag, Real House as a Beverly Hills Mean Girls fan thread on Twitter and they're coming after Erica because Erica is one of the four girls that they they know they're not supposed to like because those are the four girls inc- minus Teddy um, that came after Lisa Vanderpump. Like there's still that very core real houses of Beverly Hills, like fandom that doesn't like the four girls that doesn't like Kyle, Rina, Doree and Erica. And so anybody that goes against them is going to be queen in their book. And I think that's why Sutton and Garcelle have gotten a lot of love lately. Uh Gigi Angelique, do you think Erica will have legal at the reunion? Yeah, for sure. I think her lawyer will definitely be at the reunion when they film that. Undoubtedly, 100%. Okay, so we have the Kyle's birthday. We then move into Rena Beauty's launch which looked very pretty and all of the women looked gorgeous. I didn't love that. It felt like like I wish it would have been a launch party and understand like with COVID restrictions, we can't have a lot of people. We can't really have launch parties, but I also felt like there was something that like really kind of put up the fourth wall with like trying to get us to believe that Lisa Rinna was genuinely throwing a launch party with just the girls on the cast. Like, no, like, this is an intentional commercial to promote Rena Beauty with the cast. We turned this into a cast event. I understand she did the best that she could. Um, I just wish we would break that fourth wall a little bit more and be like, no, this is, you know, a planned all-cast event that we're using to promote Rina Beauty on the show. Like, it's not like Ren is throwing, you know, a, a real launch party like what would normally happen without COVID. Yeah, I'm an OG fan, too, and I'm on that team. I'm an OG fan, too. Art66Junkie, which team are you on? I don't like teams. You know I don't like teams, but which team are you on? X216, Crystal did a great job hosting Lisa's event. Crystal did do a really good job. I I think Crystal is a natural entertainer. Crystal is like a real quintessential Beverly Hills housewife. She knows how to do all the things. She knows how to be really fancy. She knows how to host dinner parties. She, I think, is a great addition to the show. Um, Hi, Memphis. Any comments about my face today, Memphis? Yes, I remember from Tuesday night. Hey, what are your thoughts about New York being virtual? I don't think that's real. I don't think that actually happened because it was supposed to be virtual and it allegedly filmed or it was supposed to film yesterday. I don't believe that actually happened. I think they're waiting until everybody's back in town. Ramona was in Colorado. Luann's in Europe. Andy is on vacation in on Fire Island right now. Watch What Happens Live isn't taping. I have I don't think the reunion is going to be taping. If he's on vacation from Watch What Happens Live, he's definitely not going to be filming a reunion especially with um, Luann and Ramona out of town. So I don't think that there, I know people said that he revealed that on his um, Radio Andy radio show, but he's also not taping that right now either. I don't believe he, I believe he's on full vacation until the fir- through the first week of September, I believe through Labor Day. So I don't believe his shows that are airing are actually airing live. So he may have it may have been a rebroadcast of when they were last going to tape the reunion or originally supposed to tape the re- I don't know. I just think it may not have actually been a um a recent broadcast because I don't believe he's taping Radio Andy if he's not filming Watch What Happens Live right now and he's on vacation with Ben. Um let's see. Oh, okay, let's do some bad shout outs and then we can take some questions. Okay. Let's do some bad shout-outs. Cause Blair, 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 Blair. Bought a lot, a lot of badges. Three, what, four badges? Get it, Blair. Get it, get it, get it, honey. Yeah, yeah. Uh SoCal WC bought three badges. Thank you, SoCal WC. Living it up. Live that life. Elizabeth Parker. Elizabeth Pauker. One badge. One heart. Love you, boo. Love you. Nobu and Nobu and No Chica? No no bueno chica. No bueno chica. Okay, I like when I have to pronounce these things because I feel like I'm in a foreign language class. No bueno chica bought three, three, three badges. Yeah, yeah. Get it? No bueno chica. Yeah. Teresa Ross. Wow, Teresa Ross, two badges. Thank you. Courtney Stormer. Thank you for the badge. Pam. Thank you for the badge. Thank you, guys. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Shall we? Ooh, wait. Did we get... Ooh, Crystal. Hey, Crystal. Crystal coming in hot with three badges. Drag Me Monique coming in with two badges. Drag Me Monique is going to be on the podcast on Monday, by the way, guys. So stay tuned. We're taping it this weekend. She's going to be on the podcast this Monday. and She's going to have a lot of hot takes for us. I already know it. Okay, so... We get to Rena a beauty, launch party, cute, fun, sexy. I think everybody looked great. The lighting was gorgeous. The scenery was gorgeous. Like everything looked fucking incredible. Crystal, hey girl, your Liddy City tank top is going to be coming to you soon. Crystal was in our, can we talk about Kathy's TV dinners? Yes, we can. Oh, okay, we can talk about Kathy's. But that was at the end of the episode. So yes, we will talk about Kathy's TV dinners. Um... Crystal was in our book club. We do book club every Tuesday nights. There aren't, there isn't much tea to be spilled, but we do book clubs right now. We're doing Dorinda Medley's book, Make It Nice. And we do trivia quizzes at the end. And the winner of the trivia quizzes at the end of Tuesday nights live this week was Crystal, Crystal S55801, because she's a badass and she's getting a Liddy City tank top. So if you want to join our book clubs, they're every Tuesday night here, live on Instagram with the rebroadcast on the YouTube, youtube.com slash just plain Zach. Lots of fun guys. The book club was so fun. Aw, thanks Blair. I had a lot of fun too. Oh my gosh. Yes. I laughed out loud. Oh, with Kathy's TV dinners. Yeah. They were fucking hilarious. Kathy is just like hilarious because she like still lives in the seventies. And like, she lives in a time that's not 2021. She lives in different eras and different decades. They're just not the current era. Loved you doing the interview. Thank you, Crystal. I loved having Dorinda on the podcast. She was so much fun. I have the same question as Blondie Bear. Oh, what, what was Blondie Bear's question? Um, Blondie Bear, Blondie Bear, Blondie Bear. Oh, what are the producers so afraid? Why are the producers so afraid of breaking the fourth wall? I feel like the experience would be so much more authentic and feel real if they weren't so held back. It's not the producers. It's actually the network. I don't know Why? But the network, like it's just—it's actually a lot of it's in Brian Moylan's book, The Housewives. He gets into a lot of that there, but it's more the network than it is the producers. Like the producers, I believe when there was the whole Erica meltdown, Erica versus producers showdown, I believe the producers were actually interested in airing that on the show. It was the network that said we're definitely not going to air that on the show. What's the fourth wall? Fourth wall is how do I explain this? So fourth wall. I guess the best way to explain it on a reality show is to explain it like, like the theater. Like if you go to a live show, like an opera or something, the there's the audience and then there's the performers on stage, but the performers are in their own little world. You know what I mean? As if there's this imaginary wall between the stage and the audience. The performers don't necessarily, like, the actors acknowledge the audience, but the performers and the characters don't acknowledge that there's an audience there. They're just living in their own scene. They're living in their own story that is playing out on television. So the fourth wall is that imaginary wall between the characters that are in the program and the audience that's watching. So in this case, the fourth wall would be the television screen, but Bravo likes to focus it on pretending that these women aren't actual real housewives of Bravo, and that they're just housewives living their lives, but they've now become housewife celebrities in their own right, that at some point you have to break that fourth wall and acknowledge the audience and acknowledge that we're filming a reality show and you're not just filming my life. The, pro- the producer broke the fourth wall on Potomac when they showed the placenta scene. Yes, love watching your commentary and recaps. Thank you. Thank you, Mahondo and Ken They broke the fourth wall at Denise Richards. Yes, so I've talked about this on the podcast before too. They have, they're breaking the fourth wall more now. They did it on Jersey when Teresa flipped off the camera because Danielle revealed that Teresa told her to pull Margaret's hair. So they're starting, we're getting a lot more when Denise did bravo, bravo, fucking bravo. They break the fourth wall when it's convenient for them. When it makes the talent look bad, they break the fourth wall. If it makes the producers or the network look bad, they don't break the fourth wall. They protect the producers and the network. So they conveniently are starting to break the fourth wall more and more. Breaking the fourth wall, breaking the fourth wall would entail acknowledging the production and the, that the show is being filmed. Yes. It would be the acknowledgement of the fact that we have producers all around us, acknowledgement of the fact that I have multiple cameras on me. And I'm not just having a conversation with Dorit. I'm having a conversation that I acknowledge the cameras are are around me having, you know, where we're expected to just believe that they're having this natural, organic conversation. Would the confessionals be considered breaking the fourth wall? In a not really I mean, in a sense, the confessionals are more to just continue to push the story along and narrate what's going on inside the women's head. So to a degree, yes, it does break the fourth wall because we're now acknowledging that this is a show, but there are still characters within the reality show, not necessarily acknowledging that they're characters within a reality show. Breaking the fourth wall in a confessional would be more of a, oh, I talked to a producer yesterday and the producer told me to go up to Kyle and have, have this conversation with Kyle to have closure for the storyline. They're never going to admit that. They always stay within the context of what's happening on the show. What are we getting to Dorit and Garcelle fight? Right now, girl, we're getting into it right now because you brought it up and we were moving in that direction. Um, Garcelle versus Dorit. I know everybody, most of the people are team Garcelle. Um, there are a few people that are team Dorit. I'm team Neither. And I'm also team both. I think that it was great television. I loved seeing them go head to head. Dorit is my girl. She's my favorite on the show. She has been for several seasons now. Every season but her first season was my favorite season of hers. Um, and I know a lot of people hate Dorit, and I fully understand why and respect your your hatred for Dorit. However, I love Dorit, and she's my favorite on the show, and you can hate me and cancel me and, you know, reject me for that. Drag me. I dare you. However, I do think Dorit overshot her shot a bit here. She overshot her mark in this beef with Garcelle. I don't know. I feel like there are multiple pieces. Like at the beginning, I was like, I think Dorit is really pushing this when she doesn't need to. But then as you kind of sit on it, marinate on it, think about it a lot more you know, I'm kind of like, yeah, I still think that she overshot the mark. I think she came a little hard at Garcelle and it came a little out of left field. And if you did really have a problem with Garcelle, then like call her up and like, let's do a lunch one-on-one, you know, the same way we celebrated Kyle's fake birthday with Lisa and Erica at Erica's very modest condo. Um, So I, I think that she definitely overshot the mark just a little bit. It obviously translated as great television. Um, I loved that she was kind of pushing when she brought up, she said, the thing you did to Erica in Palm Springs. And Garcelle really flipped out because Garcelle knows that Garcelle knows and Dorit knows that Garcelle was used by production to kind of manufacture that drama or to bring up the Tom calling Erica every day. It is also interesting because it feels like Garcelle very much when somebody has a problem with Garcelle, she very much wants to be like, let's squash it. Let's move on. Let's let's throw it. Let's let's make nice. However, when it's Garcelle trying to reprimand somebody else, like she very much held down to the Denise stuff. You know what I mean? She very much held Kyle to the fire with her getting outed at the last reunion for not paying for her auction item. She drug that out. When it came to Lisa Rinna, she's continued to drag out that Lisa Rinna wasn't a good friend to Denise Richards. So I think that Garcelle is a little convenient sometimes when she likes to hold people to the fire. And when the roles are reversed, she's very much like, can we just move on from this? And it's like, well, you're on a reality show. Um, So I think that's why I say I'm team neither because I think they're both wrong or both not worthy of winning that battle again because Dorit pushed a little too hard and Garcelle was wanted to move on a little too quick and she has been very passive aggressive like I loved Garcelle at the beginning when she was really shady and heard like confessionals and I was like yes I love me some Garcelle this season she's bringing the heat I feel like she's gotten like extra shady though and I feel like it's an attempt and I think this happens a lot with second season Housewives and this is why a lot of Housewives get that second season not bad at it but like they lose the fans in the second season like with Leah I think with they did the first season they're a lot more aware of the circumstances and so in season two they push the narratives a little more they push storylines a little more they try to produce and manufacture a lot more and they overdo it and I think that's why a lot of Housewives in their second season really shoot themselves in the Foot, And I think that's kind of what Garcelle is doing. And I think Garcelle and Sutton. And I think the only reason people aren't holding them accountable is because the reason people aren't holding them accountable is because they like the position that they're playing, which is anti Erica and people want to jump on and, and, and crucify Erica. That said, I do still like Garcelle and I do still like Sutton and I enjoy them on the show this season and I enjoy the roles that they play and I love that they're being very um, not anti-Erica, but I love that they're questioning it and asking a lot of the questions that we have. Yes, Zen Wen, another great example, my boy, Ollie. Zen Wen is a perfect example of that. Zen Wen, it's her second season. She got all this plastic surgery done. She's like overperforming for the cameras. So I think it happens with every Housewife second season, Zen Wen, Leah McSweeney on Real Housewives of New York. I think the only reason we're not fully paying attention to it on Beverly Hills is because we like the role that Garcelle and Sutton are playing, which is to be the antagonist to Erica Jane. I don't even know if you can be an antagonist to Erica Jane. I feel like she's kind of the antagonist in a weird way. Um, Blondie Bear, I see your point, Zach, but I just can't stand to I, I I get it. Trust me. I get why people don't like her. I get that people don't like her. Uh, Okay, can we talk about the accent thing? If you live in a different country and you pick up on an accent, depending on how many places you live, you will incorporate that dialect into your vocabulary sure i think people were more confused with the fact that her accent fluctuated and it was never a consistent accent and you never really knew where it was from and she was based in connecticut the fake accent is why i love Doree. i love her for the fake accent i love her for the fashion that she brought to the show she was one of the first to really elevate the fashion before erica came in and elevated the glam on beverly hills and now they've set a precedent and they've set a standard that is just you know Really made it the luxurious show that Beverly Hills has become now with the jets and the planes and the money, which we're now starting to see a lot of it is is not fully real and genuine. I'm screaming at my phone. Plug me in the live. I agree with you and have to explain. Drag Me Monique. We're going to talk about it this when we tape the podcast. I want to save it for the podcast. So Drag Me Monique is going to be on my podcast next week. Take your notes so that we can dish on it. We will dish on it. Uh, Garcelle was mean about Teddy though, asking the producers, why was she there? Not a fan of Teddy. I agree with that too. That's what I mean. Like I think Garcelle really, you know, the ego gets a little big for the second season housewives. This isn't, you know, specific to Garcelle. It happens for every housewife in their second season. Um, and I do, I didn't like that she shaded Teddy, um, But again, like this is a that's a perfect example. People were fine with the fact that she shaded Teddy because people don't like Teddy. People are fine that she's coming after Erica because people don't like Erica. You know, they're not, they're, they're, they have rose colored glasses watching Beverly Hills with Sutton and and Garcelle because they're playing the right team. They're playing the team that they know is going to win them the love and adoration from the fans in the end. And yes, you're going to hate me for saying that. And yes, I said it and fucking YouTube dragged me on the comments. I don't give a shit at this point. Um... that's how I feel. It is what it is. And, you know, what I say is fact. Not really. That's a joke. Don't take that seriously. It's my opinion, like it or not. Dorit is extra, which is a good thing and a housewife should. Yeah, I agree, my boy, Ollie. Doree is extra. And it's so extra that it's annoying, but it's just extra enough that I like, that I love it with Dorit. That's not saying that I always think she's right in this, again, in this instance. And I know people still misread that as I'm, you know, Calling out Garcelle and not and not, but yet giving Dorita pass and blah blah blah. I know you'll misinterpret it as that. That's not what it is, and I've said that a million times at this point in this episode. No, I love your truth. You're spot on. Thank you, Memphis. S. Smari, S. S. Smari. Do you think it could also have to do with the fact that they've built more of a relationship and have drama to bring up by their second season versus their first? I think that's part of it for sure. I definitely think that that is part of it. A lot of people um I de- actually before we get to Kathy, a lot of people like you just you become more aware. You become more aware of how you look on camera so you dress up a little more. You do your glam a little more. You get a little Botox, you do your hair a little over the top more. You buy a fancier outfit. You make sure you really Curate. Dorinda talks about it in her book. After your first season, you change. You become, you sometimes overdo it, but you definitely change. Um, Kathy. So, a lot of everyone's loving Kathy this season. I'm hoping Kathy doesn't get that second season edit. I think the only way we can save Kathy from not getting tarnished in our eyes is by keeping her a friend up. I think she's perfect in that role. We don't really need to get into the nitty gritty of the Hilton family because I feel like once we peel back that curtain, it's not going to be pretty and we're not going to like her the same way a lot of people didn't like her after the Paris Hilton documentary. Once you really see people behind the curtain, you're not going to like them. You know, it's like Sutton last season. We didn't see too much of her, but she like had just enough. She was a friend of now this season. You know, we see her in her battle with Crystal at the beginning of the season over not just the coat thing, but over when she was cutting Crystal off. And I was like, I don't want to talk about race. And then everyone was dragging Sutton because they were calling her racist. And all of a sudden we've forgotten that we thought that Sutton was racist because Sutton is hating on Erica. Again, rose colored glasses to judge us for, or to cloud our judgment. Not saying that Satan is a racist. I don't think that she is. But, you know, just as an example, we wouldn't have seen that moment if she were still a friend of, I believe. She wouldn't have had that much airtime or opportunity to fall into that ditch. Um, And who knows if production and when they come to editing a friend of, it really depends on how it pushes the story forward. And a lot of things go into it. Uh, love Sutton, Garcelle, and Kathy this season. And Crystal. Love Crystal. Love Sutton. Love Garcelle. Love Kathy. I love all of them. I love all of them. I don't hate any of them. Kyle is always the glue that holds everything together. I agree. I agree, Sailor Easton. That's interesting. What's interesting, Jackie? Tell me. What is so interesting? Garcelle, Sutton, and Kathy are making the season so that you tune in. Um. Yeah. I mean, arguably, I would say... Erica's the reason everybody's tuning in, not because we want, not because we like her or care about her, but, but we want to see the, the scandal unfold. But yes, I think Kyle, or sorry, I think Sutton, Garcelle, and Kathy are all playing a very good role in all of this. I am a little disappointed in the performance of Rina and Doree. I love, I like them both. I love Doree. I like Lisa Rinna only because Lisa Rinna always pushes the storyline forward. However, They are not giving us very much this season. I will say that. And I don't know if it's that they didn't give us much or the fact that when we're editing things down, we're mainly focusing on, you know, the, the meat, we're not adding all the other fat. Like, yeah, we got some good scenes with Lisa Rinna. We haven't gotten many scenes with Dorit, um, with Lisa Rinna and her daughters. We haven't gotten much of Dorit. However, um, I don't think there's necessarily a need to give them more camera time to take away from the bigger storylines that are unfolding, which is the drama and stuff. Lisa Brennan storyline is Scott Disick, yeah, it is, uh, one thousand percent. Erica's divorce is driving the storyline, yeah. So I mean, you can't can't be like, oh, the only reason people are tuning in is for Sutton or Grisel. No, everyone's fucking tuning in because they want to see this Girardi shit show unfold before our eyes. Do you think Lisa Rinna knows a lot more to the rumors? She might have to be deposed in court. That to me, I don't know if she's actually going to be deposed. And if she is deposed, I don't think we're going to get anything out of her, to be honest. To me, that looked like an attempt to gain attention and headlines from the person revealing that information. Um, I don't think that there's any real reason to depose Lisa Rinna. Like, what's the grounds behind it that she said that she supports Erica on the show? That's a public declaration of supporting your friend. That's not necessarily an admission to knowing inner workings of whatever was going on within Erica's marriage necessarily. So I don't think there's a reason to depose Lisa Rinna. I think it was, that was more of a way to make it look like I'm doing something and I'm investigating Lisa Rinna because I want you to look at how important I am and how much I'm doing things. That's another person that I think is watching Twitter and seeing that people don't like Lisa Rinna. And so for attention, let's go after Lisa Rinna because I know I'll gain a lot of supporters by going after the one person everybody hates. Um... Deposing Rinna doesn't, okay, thank you, Emily D Baker, an actual lawyer that is clarifying. Deposing Rina doesn't actually help if Erica Jane had money from Tom's law. doesn't help with if doesn't help if Erica Jane had money from Tom's law firm. I don't think deposing Lisa Rinna helps in any of this to be honest. but thank you, Emily D Baker for clarifying that. I don't think it other than getting fans all riled up, I don't think it does anything, to be honest. Emily D. Baker also said that Rena's lawyers can say no to being deposed. Um, Emily D. Baker would know more than I would, so I'm going to trust that Blondie Bear. Yes, thoughts on Erica's drink choice. Oh, come on, guys. Like, we can't pick these things apart. Like, that was... Sorry, I was drinking on stream, so my texting is messy. That's okay. Were you drinking no filter wine? Do I need to restock you? I'm gonna send you some. I have to send you some drag me cans, Emily, because it's purple and your hair's purple and you love purple. Um, I think the drink of choice was directed towards her friend, not towards her circumstances. I don't think either. Like, why the fuck do we care about like, here's the thing. When you go to a party like Crystal Lawn, trust me, I've had, I've hosted a lot of these parties. You put like three signature drinks on the menu. You name them something cute, cheeky, and fun. Um, and you do that because you don't want people calling out a bunch of drinks. You want to make it easier on the bartender so that they all make three standard drinks. <sighs> it's not that deep, guys. It's not. It's not that deep, guys. I promise. Um, okay, my phone is at 6%, so we do have to wrap this very, very quickly. Have you heard anything about Erica coming out with a new boo? Yes, Um, I know, I don't believe Lisa Rinna has, fuck, I shouldn't say that. Um, I don't think Lisa Renna has actually met him. I don't think any of the ladies have actually met them. Um, Met him, if there is a him. I don't know if there is. It sounds like there might be a him, only because... How else is she paying for all like I was like she has her housewives money. I would estimate that she probably brings in about five to six hundred thousand from housewives money per season. That's her salary is what she would rack in. Um, She has book royalties and music residuals, but the book is so old and music residuals I don't think are actually happening. Um, So, yeah, I don't. Fuck, now I forgot the question. Sorry, I got distracted because Gossip in a Glass asked if I got anything from the auction, and I'm still very bitter about it. Oh, Sugar Daddy. Yes, we'll get to Sugar Daddy. Uh, We'll get back to Sugar Daddy shortly. No, I didn't get anything from the auction. Sadly, I did not win anything in the auction. Um, Everything was like, ended up getting up in the thousands, and people were still bidding, and they outbid me, and I was like, ugh, motherfucker. Um, Scooter Braun, that's who she was rumored to be having an affair with. I don't know if she's still, if that is still happening um, she did seemingly confirm that in her book and on Beverly Hills on an episode a couple weeks ago when she said that she hadn't talked to Scooter in a few years. Um, and in her book, she talks about being represented by a really big talent manager. So I assume that that was Scooter Braun and she had a previous relationship, whether or not they were cheating on their spouses with each other. Possibly. Um I don't know if he's still funding her life. I don't know if anyone I don't know who would want to fund her life because of all of the debt that she's in. But I wouldn't be surprised if she did have a sugar daddy that was paying for everything. Okay, I'm going to take your questions now. Let's do Q&A and hope that my phone doesn't die. Oh guys, I when you write questions, please try to keep them very short because when you write a lot of text, the text shows are really really tiny on my phone. Really really tiny, and I can't really read it. Um okay, K. McKee 7. Does she have some expensive artwork? Could they take that? I don't think she took any of the expensive artwork. I think all of the artwork is still at the Girardi Pasadena mansion. Um, and that's likely what they're going to liquidate. I know some of the artwork was li- from the law firm was liquidated to bring in money and those sold for a few thousand. Like I saw some of that artwork it was selling for for quite a bit. I don't know if it's selling for full worth usually where rich people stock up on this stuff is in these types of auctions because they get it at a major discount but um yeah has she turned over any assets i believe so i believe she has turned over her assets and that's where page six got that letter they were able to break down those assets because she had to turn those over by the end of july and i believe that those did end up getting Turned over only because if they weren't turned over, you know somebody on Twitter would have been tweeting up a storm if that were the actual case. The Casper Obscura. Has a doctor officially stated Tom has dementia? I believe a doctor has, and that's how he was able to get the conservatorship. But I believe that there were a lot of questions that the bankruptcy had regarding his mental status, and they planned on investigating that further. I don't know if that is still happening, or if they gave up on that, or where that stands currently. Emily, is the trustee holding the money from the sale of the offices of the law office, and do you know the amount? I believe that they're starting to um, settle a lot of the lawsuits that have come in from the lenders and from former clients. I believe that they're trying and now we're seeing you know, former employees that never got paid. They are starting to pay some of those or settle some of those lawsuits. So I assume payments will start to go out. Um, so we'll see how that goes goes. I think that's all still in holding as everything is still being investigated. Check out Emily D. Baker. She may have a deeper um, update on that. Guys, please don't write long questions. Please keep them very, very short because the the thing is about this big and then their text comes out really, really tiny. Um, Has Lisa Rinna been deposed for what she said on the show that she won't use what Erica said on the show? Again, she has not been deposed. I believe that that was more of just an attention-seeking, headline-grabbing attempt um for attention from the source of that information i don't know if she's actually going to be deposed nor do i think it actually helps the case at all i don't think she actually knows any intricate details about any of like the girardi scandal scam chris ochoa do you think his partner Keith knew something was up with the money going out. I'm pretty sure a lot of them are saying that they did. What was it? Keith Griffin said that, you know, he was suspicious about the finances. Uh, Tom's step or son-in-law, David Lira, left allegedly because of a big blowout over finances. Um, So it's possible. What taxes would Erica owe? Um, If it turns out that Tom was funneling money into EJ Global to avoid paying taxes, she may have to pay, she may have back taxes to pay and possibly interest on top of that. Teresa, that Tom has been living on paper for years and he hasn't really had the cash. I think it was, oh yes. Um. I think that that's a really big possibility that he was definitely as time went on and as he was taking out more loans, he was racking up a lot of debt and it just kind of really continued to build and get out of control for him in recent years. But he's been scheming people for about three decades now. So he's known what he's been doing and he's been like, this has been going on for a very long time where he wasn't paying back clients. I believe it was more recently that he was taking out a lot more of these big loans. So... Definitely doesn't seem like he was living on cash. It seems like he was definitely living. I mean, a lot of pe- originally I thought it was more of the um, Rob Peter to pay Paul, but it looks like it was a lot deeper than that. Okay, we're at 4% on my phone, so I have about two minutes left. Um, I was wondering if Keese was the person Sutton was referring to as he left 10 years ago. Oh, maybe. That's a good point. Maybe Keese was who Sutton was referring to. I don't know what Sutton was referring to, though. Okay, let's see what other questions have come in from you guys. Blondie Bear, can you please get a dog and bring them on the podcast? Uh, possibly. It's hard. I live downtown, and I just feel like downtown is not a really good place to have a dog. Space is a little limited. The streets, you know, it's just, I don't know. I feel like you should have a yard if you have a dog. You should have a place that your dog can just, like, roam free what do you RV? What does that mean? Lee What do I RV? What do I, I don't know. I don't know what that question means. Sorry, girl. Lee what do you think of the way Erica is treating Sutton? I think it's a little bit of a game of phone tag where the women are telling her how much Sutton's worried about her reputation. And so she's kind of pissed that like, it feels like Sutton's making it about herself. Um, So I understand like why she's kind of really bothered by Sutton. It seems to really intensify as Sutton seems to call her or seems to really question whether or not she believes all of Erica's stories. Um, Why do I think she's treating her that way? I think she's treating her that way because one, Sutton is threatening her by questioning her. Threatening the ego, I mean, not, like, a direct threat, but, like, threatening her ego, and she feels like she can take on Sutton, so she's not worried, and that's why she's really, like, snapping at her. Thoughts on Sutton pitching into the combo despite wanting to distance herself? Um... I think that's her playing her role on the show. She's like, I want to distance myself and I want to get my hands messy. And she says that in her confessionals. But then she knows that part of, you know, if she wants to keep that diamond, she has to get a little messy and she's good at getting messy. Let's see. I think. Oh, here we go. Can you uh, No, Is that all the questions that we have? Oh, here we go. Um, Are other lawyers at the firm being sued? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. don't believe any other lawyers are being sued. Love you, Zach. Love Thursdays. Thanks for sharing this crazy. Thanks for sharing my crazy misspelled questions. Of course. All right, guys, I do have to log off because my my phone is at 3%. So I do have to log off. Please support. Guys, these are word as of yesterday we hit 44% of our full stock so that's like within 2 days we sold almost half of our stock of the limited edition Potomac Kints. please I would love to I would love to sell out but I just you know I'm so grateful for the support and I'm so appreciative of everyone that's bought the original OG cans and that's buying the new Potomac cans. These are limited edition. They're only around for a limited amount of time. You can learn more at nofilterwine.com. I'm not encouraging you to buy because Instagram, I don't want Instagram to get mad at me. I'm not encouraging anybody to always drink responsibly. Yes. But thank you guys so much for the support. This really means a lot to me. New episodes of the podcast on Mondays. Book club is live every Thursday nights on Instagram. Wednesday we have unfiltered interviews. Thursday we go live every uh, every Thursday night at six thirty. Eastern 930 or sorry, 630 Pacific, 930 Eastern. I re-upload those onto YouTube and onto the podcast on Fridays. So you're just fully stocked on content all week. I love you guys. You can give me a follow personally at Just Plain Zach. Be sure to, if you are listening to this right now on the podcast, you can also watch full episodes at youtube.com slash Just Plain Zach. The experience is a lot of fun. I release the episodes as a live stream. So I'm in the live chat chatting with all of you guys. Are you going to be saving this live? Yes. it The lives are always saved on the Instagram account, and the lives are always uploaded onto, or moving forward, they will all, the audio will be uploaded onto the podcast. Yes, Chris, we'll see you Tuesday for Book Club. We're reading Dorinda Medley's book, Make It Nice, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 Eastern. We'll go live. We're going to cover the next three chapters, chapter four, five, and six of the book. I'll break them down. I'll recap it. We'll do a fun quiz, and I'll do another giveaway. So... Thank you guys so so much. I love you. Thank you for the badges, everybody. Thank you for the yes. Oh, bind wine. Thank you so much, K M K K E seven. Thank you, um, my boy Ollie. Thank you for the badges. So W C. Another badge. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, you guys. Thank you. I love you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I will be here on Instagram responding to DMs. I. lot of them come in. I try to respond to every single one of them, but please keep them coming because I really do appreciate your feedback. Keep the comments coming on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button and make sure you hit that bell notification button. That way you always find out when the new tea is going to be spilled. Like I said, we have two podcast episodes that we release weekly. We have a live once a week and then we have book club that's also live once a week as well. So two podcast episodes, two weekly lives, lots of fun. Mike Lush, hi, welcome. Grateful, Grace, Grateful, Clementine, yes. Ah, oh, you guys just joined. We're just wrapping. Ah, oh, well, like I said, this will be available on the Instagram account at No Filter with Zach. Be sure to follow. You can follow me at JustCleanZach. That's my personal account. I mean, it's personal. i say personal, but it's just—it's not super podcast-specific. So you see me like hitting on my neighbors and, you know, working out and flashing my nipples and all that sort of fun stuff. All right, guys, I will talk to you later. Love you. Have a great weekend. Bye.